This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Friday the 7th of October, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network will allow you to go online, change your location, access things you'd normally be geo-blocked from, such as if you're a UK expat, BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub, all for Now TV, all while keeping your data safe. So go online. Go to libertyshield.com, pick the hardware or software package, whichever suits your needs, and at checkout, use the code EPL25, that's EPL25, to sign up with the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot, five-star ratings across the board, libertyshield.com. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk or you can find them on Facebook, Home of Hopcroft. Lastly, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops. You'll find them on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at the checkout. And remember to listen to A Tad Predictable, hosted by Tadiwa with Guy this week, previewing this weekend's games. And on Monday, listen to the EPL Roundtable podcast hosted by Kevin DeVries. That's on its own feed. Just search EPL Roundtable and it'll pop up. And they will have a little group chat about the uh, the weekend's action. Guy is with me today. And we will be looking at this weekend's games after we go through last night's games, the news and the gossip. So... Let's jump straight in. Europa League last night. FC Zurich 1, PSV Eindhoven 5. Jorby Vertezen with 2, Cody Gakbo with 2, and Javi Simmons with 1. Uh, Jonathan Okita with a late consolation goal for Zurich. Comprehensive win for PSV, who are looking quite formidable in attack. Uh, Sturmgratz 0, Lazio 0. Nothing really of no. Sheriff Tiraspol, nil. Real Sociedad, two. David Silva and Aritz Elistondo with the goals The goals for uh, Sociedad. Chiabo was sent off for Sher- uh, Sheriff. Red Star Belgrade, four. Ferenc Varos, one. Kanga with two. Mitrovic and Katai with the goals for Red Star. Uh, some fella whose name I'm not going to even try 
with the goal for Ferenc Farosh. Ammonia 2, Manchester United 3. This got iffy, this got dicey, and this could have been a major embarrassment for Eric Ten Hag. Uh, United went 1-0 down and Sarafard with the goal. Then they fought back in the second half. Rashford scored, Martial scored, and then Rashford scored again. Omonia did get one back then, Panayatoya, with the uh, the second for them. Worth noting, United starting 11. De Gea in goal. Delo, Lindelof, Martinez, Malasia. So, almost the first choice goalkeeper in defence. Varane, the only one missing. Casemiro and Eriksen, you would assume will be the first choice midfield pairing Hence, they paid 60-odd million for Casemiro. Um, Anthony Fernandez and Sancho behind the striker. That would be their first choice attacking midfield line. And then Cristiano Ronaldo up front. Um, by all accounts, Sancho stank the place out, was hooked at halftime. And Cristiano looked like someone had brought their little brother along he didn't really know how to fo- play football and everybody was trying to help him score to no avail. Uh, United almost embarrassed in that one. Monaco three, Trabzonspor one. Trabzonspor went down to 10 men on 11 minutes. Gonzalez was sent off. Ben Yedder got two and Assisi got one to put them three up. And then Bacasetas with a goal in the 70th second minute to put a bit of respectability on the scoreline, but a comfortable win for Monaco. HJK won, Ludogorets won. Hetemage equalised for HJK after Tessira had put Ludogorets one up. Malmo nil, Union Berlin won. Uh, Schaefer was sent off in the first half for Union, but uh, Becker with the goal for them to give them a good win. Mitlian 2, Feyenoord 2. Zimanski scored on 21 to put Feyenoord 1 up. Kaku made it 2 on 45. He's Ergan Kaku. He's a really good player. Really good midfielder. One to keep an eye on. Uh, so 2 0 up at half time, but Isakson and Ferreira Jr. with the goals to bring Mithlian back into that one. 2 2 draw. Ren 2, Dinamo Kiev 1. Martin Terrier put. Ren one up. Viktor Shankov equalized. He's a really good player as well. And Desiree Doe, who is a player that I wasn't hugely familiar with, um, scoring the winner. Only a 17-year-old midfielder and looked the business when he came on, has to be said. Got the winner. And this was a fun game. I, I really did enjoy this game. So a couple of names to note. Uh, Victor Shankoff, you're not aware of him. Just keep an eye on him. He's about 24 now. He is due a move out of the Ukraine. But Zabarni, the young centre-back, he is he is an absolute star in the making. Outstanding ball-playing centre-back. Really is one to keep an eye on. Um, and just watch Ren anytime you get the opportunity because there's so much talent there. It's almost unfair on other teams, how much talent Ren have. If they had a manager to go with the players, I, I think they could potentially make real waves in the French League. 
Olympiacos nil, Quarabeg three. Massive shock in this one. Uh, Kwabena, Vesevic, and Shadyev with the goals for Quarabeg. Olympiacos humbled at home, and no doubt that will not go down well. Braga one, Union Saint Gilles two. Uh, Abel Ruiz have put Braga one up, but Nielsen scored in the 86th and 94th minute to give Union a good away win. Fenerbahce 2, Larnaca 0, Michi Batshuayi and a Rafael Mamas own goal, giving Fenerbahce the win. Nons 2, sorry, Freiburg 2, Nons 0. Uh, Kyrie and Griffo, Vincenzo Griffo with the goals there. Arsenal 3, Bodo Glimp 0, Eddie Nketiah, Rob Holding and a late Fabio Vieira goal, giving Arsenal the win. And Re- Roma 1, Real Betis 2. Paulo Dybala put Roma 1 up on 34 from the penalty spot. Guido Rodriguez and a late goal by Luis Henrique gave Betis the win. Nicolo Zaniolo sent off in added time. That was a brilliant win for Betis and a well-deserved win as well, it must be said. Um, into the Europa Conference League then. Lech Poznan nil, Beersheva nil. Slovakia nil, Nice won. Nicolas Pepe on loan from Arsenal with the only goal. Uh, Molda 3, Shamrock Rovers nil. Nobody cares who scored. Molda can just go and do one. Silkborg 5, the artist formerly known as Stoya Bucharest nil. Uh, Klinsch, Kusk, Hellenius, an Icelandic name that I'm not going to even attempt. And Tony Adamson with the goals. That's a bit of a surprise that Stoya got beaten so heavily. Sivaspor 3, Balkani 4. Lots of names I can't pronounce, but rest assured, uh, it looks like it was a pretty good game. Sivaspor went 1-up. Balkani went 3-1-up. Sivaspor got it back to 3-3, and Belkani scored in the 94th minute to win that one. Punic 2, Zalgiris 0, Janino and Otubanjo. Otubanjo? Otubanjo, I think. We'll go with Otubanjo. And if anyone is wanting to correct me, uh, send your complaints to Guy. Um, Dnipro uh, 2, Vadus 2. Again, some names that I'm not going to try, so we'll move we'll move forward. Anderlecht nil, West Ham won. Gianluca Scamacca once again stepping up and scoring a big-time goal for West Ham. He is looking better and better by the game. Came off the bench in this one to, uh, to rescue the win. And West Ham having him and Lucas Paqueta still doesn't seem real. It still doesn't seem real. Those two are unbelievably good. Uh, Ghent 2, Jurgarden 1. Uh, Marcus Danielson with the only goal of the game. Cologne, oh, sorry, I've skipped. Slavia Prague 0. FC Clus, CFR Cluj, as they are now, uh, 1. Janga with the only goal of the game. Basel 0. Slovan Bratislava 2. Uh, Pauszczek and Karif. Kavrich, Kavrich with the only goals of the game. Uh, Kasim Nuhu sent off in the 96th minute. Never a good sign when you see a player getting sent off that late. Normally means they've gotten ratty about something. Um, 
Cologne nil, Partizan won. Uh, Markovic with the only goal of the game. Hearts nil, Fiorentina three. Mandragora on four minutes. Christian Kwame on 42. And Luka Jovic on 79. Uh, Luis Nielsen sent, Lewis Nielsen sent off for Hearts on 48 minutes. Villarreal 5, Austria Vienna 0. Alex Bena, who looks a real talent, on 18. Arnaud Danjuma on 43. And Jose Luis Morales, who'd only come off the bench, uh, scoring a hat-trick in the 76th, 80th and 88th minute. Uh, really good for him. AZ Alkmaar 3, Apollon 2. Odegaard, DeWitt and Carlson with the goals for Alkmaar. Houston or Justin and Cabral for Apollon. And RFS nil Istanbul. Istanbul. I don't know why I keep saying Istanbul. Istanbul, Besiktas. I think it's because the two S's in Besiktas. Um, nil. That's a, a yeah, nil nil draw to end that one. So that is our Europa League and Europa Conference League caught up on. Uh, we'll have a quick look at the the groups and how they're going. And we might as well stick with the Conference League because that's where we're looking at right now. So Group A, uh, Besiktas top seven points, Fiorentina second, four points, Hearts third on three, and Orofes bottom on two. Group B, West Ham top nine points, almost through already. Anderlecht second on four, Silkberg on three, and Stoy Bucharest on one point bottom of the group. Group C, We've got Villarreal top on nine points, Lech Poznan second on four, Beersheba with two, and Austria Vienna with one. In Group D, then we've got Partizan with five on, on top of the group. Nice also five points, second in the group. Cologne third on three, and Slovakia bottom on one point. Group E, you've got Aza Alkmaar top with nine points, Dnipro second with four, Vaduz with two, and Apollon with one. Group F, Jurgarden are top. They have seven points from their three games. Molde can go and shite. <laughs> They're second. Uh, Ghent are third, and poor old Shamrock Rovers bringing up the rear with one point. Um, Balkany, and yes, swearing was warranted there. Uh, Balkany, top of Group G with four points. Sivaspor, Second with four points, Slavia Prague third with four points, and Cluj fourth also with four points. Uh, one interesting wrinkle that I'm not sure I've ever seen before, other than all four teams played three, won one, drawn one, lost one, all four of them, and maybe this makes sense, have zero goal difference. Balkany have scored seven, conceded seven. Sivaspor have scored five, conceded five. Slavia have scored four, conceded four. And Cluj have scored two, conceded two. Is it just me that finds that mental? Am I missing something? That is, That just seems like the chances of that are zero. Anyway, uh, Group H, Basel top with six points. Punic second, also six points. Slovan Bratislava with four points and Zalgiris with one point. So AZ Alkmaar, Villarreal and West Ham looking the class of the competition thus far um, with three successive wins from their games. 
and looking like good value to head through to the knockout stages. Uh, in Group A of Europa League, you've got Arsenal top with six points. Now, remember, Arsenal have only played two games because they had to get their game with PSV Eindhoven uh, postponed. So PSV also two games. They've got four points. Bodo Glimt third with four points and Zurich bottom with zero. Uh, Group B, Fenerbahce top seven points. Ren also seven points in second. Larnica third. Kiev bottom with no points. That's disappointing for them. Uh, Group C, Real Betis top nine points. Ludogorets second with four points. Roma third with three points. Have lost twice in that group already. Is very, very poor from Roma. And HJK bottom with one point. Uh, Roma losing to Ludogorets was a really bad result. Losing to Betis is fair enough, even if it is at home. But losing to Ludogorets, there's no real excuse uh, for that type of... No, it wasn't. Was it Ludogorets? It was Ludogorets to beat them. Yeah, it was Ludogorets. There's no real excuse for that type of carry-on. Um, Group D, Union St. Gilles, they've got nine points. Braga second on six points. Uh, Union Berlin on three points. And Malmo bottom with zero points. Group E, Real Sociedad top nine points. United second, six points. Sheriff with three points and Ammonia with no points. Um, Group F, all four teams have four points, but there is goal difference involved in this this, uh, this group. So we've got Feyenoord top, goal difference of plus four. Mitlian second, goal difference of plus three. Lazio third, goal difference of minus two. And Sturmgratz bottom goal difference of minus five. In group G, we've got Quarabeg top nine points. Sorry, no, Freiburg top nine points. Quarabeg second with six points. Nantes third with three points. And Olympiacos bottom with zero points. And lastly, group H, Ferenc Farosh top six points. Monaco second, six points. Trabs on Spore. Third with three points, and Red Star fourth with three points. Uh, Ferenc Farosh are top based on the head to head against Monaco. They beat Monaco, and it goes to head to head like that. If, if two teams have the same points, anyway, that is that. We have caught up with the Europa League and the Europa Conference League, and now you don't need to worry about how those. Great competitions are going on anymore. Uh, yesterday, I talked with Erling Haaland a little bit. Um, just because he's ridiculous. A couple of funny things. Number one, there is a petition going around. There's actually a couple of petitions going around. Uh, one to have him deported from the UK, uh, which has an absolute boatload of signatures. Another one started by Manchester United fans to have him banned from playing football in the Premier League because it's just not fair. I can get on board with both of these things. Um, I said yesterday, City signed him for £51 million and waived the money that they were owed by... Uh, £52 million maybe. Waived the money they were owed by Dortmund of the Sancho deal. But... The real cost of the deal was, you know, the agent fees, the signing bonus, the wages, etc. 
etc etc and i said there's probably some other fees in there that i've missed well it wasn't fees it was wages that i missed so manchester city are paying erling haaland four hundred thousand pounds a week uh which is roughly 20 mil a year by five years that's a hundred million um they paid, I think it's 52 million to Dortmund. So that's 152 million cost of the deal. They paid 20 million to Alf Inge Haaland. That gives us 172. They paid 30 million to the agency of Mino Raiola. That gives us 202 million. They paid 20 million to the player one year salary. And that gives us 222 million. Now that in itself is obscene. What's more obscene is the fact that he is on bonuses that mean he is actually earning £865,000 a week. £865,000 a week. That is roughly... 23, 24 million a year in bonuses that are apparently it would be impossible for him not to get them. So we add that in 23 by five, that's 115 million. We add that to the 222 million we've already spent. We have a total of 337 million pounds that Manchester City have invested in this player. 52 to Dortmund, 20 to his dad, for having fully functioning testicles, apparently, uh, 30 million to the agency of Mino Raiola. You have to love Mino. Mino rinses clubs. Well, obviously he has passed, and that was quite sad, but you have to love the way he went about his business. Mino doesn't take, most agents take a small percentage every week from their players off contracts that they negotiate. Mino didn't do that. Mino made the clubs pay him enormous lump sums before the signing of the contract and then took nothing from his players. That's why players loved Mino. Because he took the money out of the clubs. Um, and then the rest is to Haaland himself. So to Haaland himself, you get the 100 million for the base contract, the 20 million for the signing bonus, and 115 million in bonuses. That's 235 million to Erling Haaland. If he stays at City for five years, 235 million. Now, remember as well, there's a buyout clause in that deal. So City have, have no protection. If he decides to up and leave in a couple of years, he's gone. If they want to give him a new contract, they're going to have to pay him even more. That is an obscenity. And I'm sorry, but this kind of stuff needs to be investigated. This needs to be investigated. How? Like, it's bad enough that in the last few months, they've already announced a couple more fake sponsorship deals with companies that don't exist that they have set up themselves a crypto one 
and some sort of tech company that don't exist. They just don't exist. They're figments of people's imagination. And yet the Premier League continue to allow them to do this. It's an absolute shambles. It's an absolute shambles. So when City fans tell you that Haaland always dreamed of playing for City, he grew up a City fan. No, he didn't. He grew up a bit really rich. He grew up dreaming of being really rich. And City are going to make him really, really rich. 235 million. Jesus Lord wept. Um, bad news for Wolves. Pedro Neto has been ruled out and requires an ankle operation. That means he will miss the World Cup and be out of Wolves contention for a significant period of time at a time when Wolves are struggling and Raul Jimenez, Huang and Sasa Kalasic are all also ruled out this was the last thing that Wolves needed big big blow big big blow and a shame because he's a wonderful player absolutely sensational to watch and he's only just back from that horrendous knee injury. Uh, in a beautiful and unexpected turn of events, Nottingham Forest have announced they have signed a new contract with Steve Cooper, which will keep him at the club until 2025. I couldn't be happier. I think it's brilliant to see this type of loyalty. After what he's done for them, dragging them, from the foot of the championship into the Premier League. Give that man time. He will turn this around. I believe he will keep them up. And if they go down, they'll be in a great position to bounce back up. Go through the squad. There's not a whole lot of players there that won't be okay with going down to the championship for a year. And those that aren't, they can either loan them out, so they have them back when they come back up, or they'll sell them and make the money back, probably make profit. Uh, delighted to see that. Great news for Forrest. Great news for Cooper. Uh, the gossip. Galatasaray want to sign Cristiano Ronaldo in January. Um, they probably don't, but you know. Bayern Munich chief executive Oliver Kahn says the Bundesliga giants considered a move. Yes, they did. They considered a move and then they decided they didn't want him because he would have been a mess. Uh, so they didn't make a move. Um, Wolves are expected to hold talks with Julian Lopetegui this weekend. He seems to be their top choice. I I always worry about managers jumping from one job to another when it's ended badly at the first club. N'Golo Kante believes Chelsea do not want to offer him a new contract with his current deal due to expire next summer. They probably don't. You're 31 and you're injury prone. As good as you are, you're not getting younger. You're not going to get less injury prone. So from a business point of view, it probably makes sense to just let you leave. Arsenal are interested in Porto and Iran. 30-year-old forward, Mayday Taremi. He's a good player. He's He would be a decent backup forward to bring in for Arsenal. Um, Real Madrid are keeping tabs on Benfica's 18-year-old Portuguese defender, Antonio Silva. Very, very talented, but can we allow the lad to develop 
just a little bit? Can we can we let him play just a little bit? He's got about eight games under his belt at senior level. Let the kid develop. Far too early for him to be going anywhere. Now, I note that he did sign a contract extension in September, which increased his buyout to 100 million. So with a bit of luck, he just sticks around and uh, and doesn't do anything silly. There is a really talented group of Portuguese defenders on the horizon, though. Um, Goncalo Inacio at Sporting is also really, really impressive. He's, I think, 21 now. There's... What's the kid's name? Eduardo uh, Eduardo Caresma, currently on loan at Hoffenheim. He's another to keep an eye on. He's really good. David Carmo's a, a little bit older. Uh, Diogo Lete's a little bit older, but those are two really, really good centre-backs as well. Um, so keep an eye on all of them. Uh, but this kid, Silva, does look... He does look the part, it must be said. Um... Inter Milan hope to secure Hakim Chalanaglu's long-term future to the club after fending off interest in the midfielder from Everton. If he if he leaves you for Everton, you should just shut up the club. If you're Inter Milan and players are leaving you to go to Everton, you just need to just burn the whole thing down and start over. Erling Haaland is earning £865,000 a week. This is Mike Keegan, by the way, who's broke the story. The same Mike Keegan that broke the story that City had signed him. So I would say this information is absolutely spot on. Uh, US billionaire Bill Foley, the owner of the Vegas Golden Knights, has a verbal agreement in place to buy Bournemouth. Leeds are interested in Noah Okafor. Oh, that's an interesting one. From Red Bull Salzburg. I really like him. I do really like him. He would fit well. At Leeds under Jesse Marsh. That's a that could be a really good move. Um championship table toppers, Sheffield United are keen on Kilmarnock's Scottish centre forward Bobby Wales, who is 17. You have to love a Scottish kid called Wales. It's just wonderful. Um, and they say Brexit means Brexit. Um he, he I haven't seen him. I, I have to say I haven't seen him, but he's been linked to a couple of other clubs as well. So his name is clearly out there that he's, he's a player to keep an eye on. Former player Rio Ferdinand has urged Manchester United to sign Jude Bellingham. You have to love Rio. You have to love Rio. Brendan Rodgers has revealed he has rejected two opportunities to leave the club. Brendan Rodgers talks immense amount of nonsense. Immense. Nobody is approaching you, Brendan. Your team have been a shambles this year. This is the same as when he got sacked by Liverpool, claimed he'd turned down four of the Premier League jobs while waiting for the Celtic job. Nobody wanted to touch him with a barge pole when he left Liverpool because of the stuff that came out about him. So no one wanted him. When he was at Celtic, he claimed he was turning down a job every second week. Absolute spoofer. Um, Barcelona's vice president has warned the club's wage bill will not reach manageable levels until 
the contracts of star names like Jared Piquet, Jordi Alba and Sergio Busquets come to an end. This is partly true, but this is also risking turning fans against legends. So just hush your mouth a little bit. Um, and that's it. We'll leave it there. We'll take a break. When we come back, myself and Guy are going to rattle through the Premier League fixtures from this weekend. So I will see you in a minute. Right, welcome back. So I am joined by Mr. Drinkle. How are you, sir? Hi, I'm okay. How are you, Dave? I am tremendous. Tremendous on this windy Friday. We yeah. have a full slate of games, and that is very, very nice. It is, but first up, we have a three o'clock kickoff, which just feels disgustingly wrong, um, which is Bournemouth against Leicester. Um, basically, just a repeat of the last Time well, every time we spoke about Bournemouth since Gary O'Neill have taken over, they've stabilised, made themselves difficult to beat. But Leicester, do you see the Forest game as the start of their season, or was it more Forest were dreadful? What what do you see here? It was a little bit of both. Defensively, Forest were very poor, very naive. But you know, Leicester did look a lot better. Madison was immense in the game and, and Harvey Barnes had a good game as well but this game is at Bournemouth and Bournemouth like you said have been hard to beat they're unbeaten in their last four games and it's not like they've played you know bad teams in that run so I do quite fancy Bournemouth's chances now they are uh, dealing with some injuries obviously as they are each week so Stanislas is out uh, Be- David Brooks is still out he's been worked back nice and slowly and Lloyd Kelly remains out. Um, Joe Rothwell could come into contention this week for his first game, which would be great. Ryan Fredericks is back in full training. And Benjamin Pearson, or Ben Pearson as we know him, um, he is uh, will have a late fitness test. So they're getting some bodies back. Leicester, on the other hand, Ndidi is out. He got injured in the Forest game. Ricardo Pereira is out and is going to be out for the foreseeable. Nepali's Mendy is out and Ryan Bertrand's out, but he, he wouldn't be playing anyway. Um, indeed, he's a big blow, but Sumari looked pretty good against Forrest. Now, it was an easy enough situation to come on into because they were three up. Uh, they need him to continue to develop this season if indeed he's going to continue to deal with these type of muscular injuries. I'm going to go the draw. I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw uh, I think Bournemouth at home will just prove tough enough that Leicester won't have it all their own way. And I still don't trust Leicester, so I'll go 1-1. One, one. Yeah, I think I went with something similar on today was sure. So that's going to be a mental game, obviously. Um, now, when I was talking today about this next game, Chelsea against Wolves, I was going down the narrative route that Diego Costa was obviously going to score. Well, you alluded to some of the injury problems Wolves have there. Um, add on the suspensions of people like Nathan Collins and stuff. Will the Wolves actually field a team this weekend? That's probably the bigger question. 
It is. They're missing a lot of players. So you've got Chiquinho out, Nathan Collins suspended, Ruben Neves suspended. Huang, according to comments made in today's press conference, Huang is good to go. Uh, Jimenez is out, Kalasic is out long term, Neto's out. They're going to be right up against it in terms of, you'll probably see a couple of kids on the bench for them. Probably see Chelsea, a couple of kids starting up front for them. Possibly, because, I mean, they could probably... They, they, is Costa ready to start is the question? Probably not. Now, you could probably mm-hmm. start Wang, but he's just back from injury, so you do, do you want to do that? I think it's going to be quite difficult for them. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Adama Traore start up front. Adama Pedence. Maybe just the two of them. And maybe Gwedish. pack the... Oh, Gwedish, yeah, sorry. Gwedish will start, probably. So that could be your three. Pedence almost as a false nine yeah. in between the other two. Um, and look to just catch Chelsea on a counter-attack. Um, Chelsea, no Wes Fafana. We're mm. waiting to hear what the prognosis is on him. Uh, no Angolo Kante and no, I think Carney Chukwemeke, they're hoping he'll be he'll be back. I think he was ill. So we'll see. Won't play anyway. <laughs> Won't play anyway. No, probably won't even make the bench. Yeah. Um what what did you make of Chelsea midweek? Because I think obviously Milan were dreadful apart from Leal for a little while. Um but we saw Sterling on the right hand side, which I always preferred him there, but that yeah, may have just same. been the Sane combination with him. Um a mount on the left a bit more comfortable. Um yeah, because Mount likes to cut in feet. Yeah. So I think that he... I think that'll work with Abamio more than what I've been doing so far. Agreed. Yeah, definitely agree. Mount wants to cut in field. No matter it's not a it, and it's not a thing of he's cutting in field onto a stronger foot because he does it on the right as well. He cuts in field mm-hmm. because he wants to get into central areas. Because he's not Mount is a very good player, but it's not like he has lightning pace. Like, he's not slow, but he's not lightning quick. So he finds it tougher to go on the outside and cross back across himself. He likes to get into central areas and sort of impact the game there. It's easier off the left. And like you said, I, I love Sterling on the right. He's he's good on the left, but he's great on the right-hand side yeah. of, the, of that three. Um, and he gets into support positions for Aubameyang. And, and by doing it that way, it's a lot easier for it to flip from a, a two-behind-one into mount behind the other two and mm. everybody's moving into a position that they're comfortable in. And Aubameyang prefers to play on the left side of yes, the front yes. two than the right side when that works. So yeah, it, it all works better for them. I'm going to back the Chelsea win. I was impressed by some of what I saw during the week. They played some good football. There were some interesting patterns developing. And um, I just think they'll have too much for Wolves, especially considering... The absence of Neves is massive. It's yeah. a massive loss to them in midfield, not to have him. And no Nathan Collins at the back. Obviously, he's he's been very good this season, including when he craddy kicked Jack Grealish. <laughs> and got the ball. He got the ball. It wasn't a red card at all. Um, I'll go... I'll go 2-0 Chelsea. Do you just roll with that front three for Chelsea? Or is Havertz coming to... You know, I know you're a big fan of Havertz, but love it Havertz. works. It worked and that front look, three. It did. It did work. And I think having Oba's pace, Wolves aren't the quickest team. And if you can catch, like when Wolves attack, having Oba as an outball 
and Sterling as an out ball, that's you can play the ball either direction. You've got someone to chase it and someone who will outpace that Wolves defence. I'd stick with what's there for now. The, if you're going to make a change, bring Kai in for Mason Mount. Yeah. But, but play him on the left of the three. Let him play on his natural foot uh, rather than cutting in field. Let him play naturally and be more of a facilitator. And again, he'll drift into that central area and the other two can move into a front two. But I would I would stick with Mount for this one. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, Man City, Southampton, other than the fact that Southampton drew twice with Man City last year, everyone should be thinking this will finish 9-0, but football is a football is a sport that doesn't do logical things. Um, it's, it's a mental sport. Yes. And there's about 200 ex-Man City players for the football narrative powers. Um, but all logic, Man City win this comfortably because... I'm guessing Lavia's still out, who'd be the only slight yeah. difference maker, I'm guessing. Lavia's out, Livermento's out. Now, Armstrong and Larios are back, but Lavia's such a massive blow for them. Um, City, no John Stones, no Kyle Walker, no Calvin Phillips, but they beat United with Akanji and Ake at centre-back, <laughs> and Rodri sat on the bench. Yeah. So and they scored six. Um, I'm I'm just gonna say City five, Southampton one. Uh, Haaland gets at least two. And now the one thing I will say, if if Ralph starts Bella Kotchup and Salisu, they'll have at least the pace to deal with Haaland. They they won't have the height to deal with him. But they're both really strong. They're really aggressive. And I wonder if they could cause them some problems, make it a, a bit tougher on them, a little bit tougher on them. Um, Coletta Carr has the height and the aerial ability to deal with them, but not the pace. So maybe he goes back three, plays Coletta Carr between the two young boys. Um, and that would suit them potentially in this game. But I'm just going to go City 5-1. Uh, Ralph's seemingly, or I've heard on a couple of podcasts now that he might be under pressure after this game, which yeah, basically sacrificial lamb because if you last game of Man City, save it. You've yeah, already made the fairness, decision. Like you've if, already made if, the decision. If you're going to make the decision based on the Man City game, then you're an idiot because, like, City beat everybody. They're the best team in the country. If if you've decided to sack Ralph already then why are you letting them take charge of this game? Like, it makes no real sense at all to even let him take charge of this game if you're saying, well, if we lose, he's gone. Just sack him now and save everyone the hassle. If you're going to lose, you're going to lose. What happens if you get a draw? Are you going to keep him? Like... If they win, they're going to give him a new contract. Like, it's just... So silly the way a lot of these clubs operate. If you've made a decision to remove the manager, just remove him. Get someone else. Don't just keep dragging it out like. Yeah. Absolutely nonsensical. Um, yeah, City City wiped the floor with them, I, I assume. It, the only way City don't win is, is if City play badly. Like Southampton mm. are, are largely just going to make up the numbers here. That's just how it's going to be. City are that good. That's what it's going to be. But, um, yeah, City City should win comfortably. 
an easy game in midweek as well, an easyish game midweek as well. So man, so you don't have to rotate at all, um, or can do rotation in both games. But moving on because more interesting games ahead. Newcastle against Brentford. Um, me and today we talked our way into it that, albeit Brentford haven't been their entertaining best or dominant best in times because the physicality of the team, etc. They're almost like the, how did we word it? The gatekeeper to being a really well-established, good Premier League team. I think that's how we worded it. Obviously, maybe the second season syndrome kicks in a bit for Brentford later in the season, but I think we are seeing that. I think Brighton beat them. Uh, there's probably some others there. Uh, Arsenal obviously beat them. That was a good litmus test. But Brentford are one of them teams that almost test if you're Premier League ready, I think. And Newcastle, this team looking to make steps into, well, let's be honest, with how Leicester and uh, West Ham have started the season, should be aiming for the Europa Conference League at a minimum. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. And like you said, look, Brentford, we know a couple of things about Brentford. They're always going to be well set up and well prepared because Thomas Frank's really good at his job. They're always going to work hard because they've bought into the ethos of both Thomas Frank and the club and they seem to be a group of players that are quite close-knit and get on quite well. Um, and they've got some real threats in attack, like Ivan Tony can win a game all by his lonesome. Uh, Brian Mbomo can win you a game. He can also lose you a game by missing a bunch of chances, <laughs> but he's yeah. a decent player. Uh, Johan Wiese is a threat. Yeah. Now, I think Keen Lewis, yeah, Keen Lewis Potter's out. Uh, so he, he's another one of the threats they have. Um Sergi Camos is back. Ethan Pinnock should be back. Pontus Janssen and Christian Norgard are out. Norgard being out is a, is a big blow because he's so important at the base of that midfield. Newcastle have a whole bunch of players that are injured or a doubt. So Darlow's out. Shelby's out. Isak almost certainly out. St. Maximum should be back, though, so that's a big boost. Uh, Matt Ritchie is out and Emil Kraft is out. Um, the Toon had a really good win last time out. But it was helped by the fact that Fulham had a player sent off after like eight seconds. Um, and they have struggled to win games thus far this season. That's, you know, two wins from eight. Um, they do Fulham. seem to be a team transformed when Callum Wilson is available, though. And he is available. He is available. And he... he it's because it's because he's got really good movement at the penalty yeah. area. Like if you think back to the start of this podcast when we were talking about who should sign who, I thought Brighton should have signed Callum Wilson mm-hmm. because they created so many chances. They were just lacking someone who had good movement in the box, had good instincts, and could finish. And Callum Wilson's not a great player, but he's really good in the box, and he would have scored. 18 goals in the league in that Brighton team. Now, obviously, you factor in injuries with him because he he does struggle with with fitness. But he does make them a different team. And having St. Maximum back is obviously a a big, big thing as well. And he'll be a massive test for whoever the right back is. I I will worry about Brentford if if Christopher Ayer lines up at right back like he did last weekend. That would be a concern. Uh, he's really good, but he's not the most mobile because he's six five and he's not built to play against San no, Maxwell, no, no. So <laughs> I think it has to be Aaron Hickey. Now the one yeah. great thing about Hickey is Hickey's left footed, and it means that when Sim Maximum wants to cut in field, which he always does, 
he's cutting on to Hickey's stronger side. So that could help Aaron Hickey in this in that in that sort of 1v1. But I'm not sure Hickey has the pace. Hickey's quick enough, but Samaxon was rapid like. Um I'll back the Newcastle win. I think it'll be a tight game. I could see like a a one-one into the 80th minute, and then Toon get a late winner with a Wilson tap in or something. But I'll go two-one Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, I think that'll be an interesting game. Maybe not the most entertaining, but I think interesting. What I think will be a fun game next up, though, is the late kickoff on Saturday, which is Brighton against Spurs. Um, Spurs, after having a really good start to the season, not maybe playing the best football, but making it hard to beat them, which they still are, to be fair. But the attack isn't clicking anymore. Um, and I think that's basically straight down to Kulisevsky missing. Um, and the midfield, I like Benton Kerr and I like Hosberg, but I think they just need something a bit more. They need Basuma to get into the team. Whereas Brighton um, just had an excellent start to the season under both managers so far. I almost bake Brighton the favourites for this, because Spurs are missing a lot of players, maybe not the best players like in Emerson Royale, but, well, we all heard what Conde thought of that door to midweek. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah clearly, not, not exactly the nicest yeah. thing to say. <laughs> he, clearly, he clearly doesn't want... Um, uh, oh, my God, what's his name? What's Jed from, Spence. He didn't want Jed Spence, obviously. So Emerson Royale was obviously, is his chosen right wing-back. Um, mm. But you're obviously a fan of Conte. I like Conte as well. Um, but... Brighton, I'm, yeah, I'm it's just curious as to who he's going to play right wing back because, like you said, he didn't have anything nice to say about either Spence or Doherty. And my guess is that he'll move Perisic there, yeah, Perisic and, and, and Sessignon, yeah, and Sessignon will play the other side. Which I mean, Jed Spence is really good. I, I Conte's, Conte's nuts. He if you're just, under 28 year old, Conte has no time for you, no time, <laughs> no time at all. So you best be real special. Um, Kulisevsky is the big loss here. I mean, they looked disjointed with without him against Arsenal. Mm-hmm. He's the one that links the midfield to the attack. He's the one that can pick the ball up and carry it 30 yards and create something from nothing. And Richarlison's in decent form, but he doesn't do that. Now, maybe you could use Sun in that Kulisevsky role. Yeah. Play him on the right side of the attack and have him drop deep because he's a great dribbler of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I 100% agree with you. They need to change that midfield. Bentoncourt is very good. Hoysberg's very good. They're very much the same type of player. Yeah. And they're both quite slow-footed. You need more aggression in that midfield. You need more dynamism in that mid- midfield. You need Ease Basuma in that midfield. So get Basuma in next to one of the other two. I would prefer him next to Bentoncourt because I think he's a slightly better passer of the ball. But I can yeah, understand yeah, yeah. playing Hoysberg because he's a slightly better Defending. protective holding yeah. midfielder. Um, but I would start Basuma. I assume he'll start Perisic on the right and, and Cessna on the left. Uh, no Tanganga, no Lucas Mora. Brighton, no Jakob Motor. Uh, Enoch Mwepu, they're hopeful he'll be back. He's He was ill over the international break and missed last weekend. But they do have a concern over Moises Caicedo, who didn't train on Thursday, so it remains to be seen if he'll be ready to go. If they don't have him, that's a huge blow because he has been unbelievable this season. Like, he he bossed the game against United. He put Declan Rice in his pocket. 
he dominated the Leicester midfield. He dominated the Liverpool midfield. He is absolutely phenomenal. And if they don't have him, that's a blow. Um, Who this is obviously be in midfield? If, if Mwepu's fit, it'll be him and McAllister. If they play, <laughs> if he tries to play Lallana and McAllister, they will get absolutely tortured. I don't think he'll have the same kind of loyalty to Lallana that Graham Potter did, so I don't think we have to worry about that. Um, this is obviously fourth v third, so obviously both teams have started the season well. Conte will want a reaction. The defeat last weekend to Arsenal was a poor performance and they weren't great in mid in midweek against uh, Eintracht either. He's going to want a reaction from his players. But I, I'm really looking forward to this game because this is, this is two Italian managers who are from very different schools of Italian footballing philosophy. You've got Conte, who's that old school Italian manager where the only thing that matters is the result. And the only thing that matters is where you finish at the end of the season. And it doesn't matter how you get there, you just need to get there. Whereas De Zerbi's a bit more of a, of a dreamer type, and he wants to play an attractive brand of football. He's, he's from the sort of foreign-influenced Italian school of football, the, the Zeman school, if you will, whereas Conte is more from the, the Saki school of football. And I think this will be a fascinating game. Now, the games between their teams in Italy, they've played four games against each other when Conte was at Inter and De Zerbi was at Sassuolo. Inter won three of them, but you'd expect Inter to beat Sassuolo because yeah. it's Inter and they were winning, winning the title and finishing second. And Sassuolo to the credit, we're finishing eighth in the league, and, and that was a great achievement for them. Funnily enough, those games did produce a lot of goals, so they were really entertaining. There was, I think there was a 4-3 in there and a 3-1 and a might have been a 3-3 as well or a 2-2 or something. There was a lot of goals in those games. Um, so I'm going to go for the draw here. I'm going to go for the draw. I'll say 2-2 and a good game of football that I think people will enjoy. I, I do think Brighton will struggle a little bit against that Spurs back three because of how Conte sets it up. I do think that might not stop them, but just slow them. Like they opened Liverpool up time and again, and I don't think they'll do the same to Spurs because of how Spurs set up. So I'll go 2-2. Yeah, you can't see Danny Welbeck bullying them three. Compact unit again, yeah. No, he's not gonna like he's not gonna bully uh Christian Romero. He'll he'll outrun Eric Dyer, and that could be a, a you know a, an, an avenue for um for Brighton. The the matchup to watch is probably Pascal Grouse against whoever plays left side of that Brighton back or the Spurs yeah. back three. If it's... And we even saw Trossard go that area as well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So if, if he's not getting joy, I think they'll swap and Trossard. That the left side is the weakest point of that back three. Now Ben Davies is okay. Clement Langley's garbage. Um, so we'll see. But I'll go two two. I think it'll be a really good game though. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. Um, and it's the only televised well in the UK anyway. Um, free advert, Eddie. Um <laughs> Brighton the Spurs there. Uh moving on to Sunday, first televised game. We have Palace against Leeds. Um why is there a rivalry between Vieira and Marsh, apparently? I, I, I see people talking about this. Is there something that happened in MLS or something? 
Yes. So, if I'm not mistaken, Jesse Marsh was in charge of New York Red Bulls. Ah, okay. At the same time, Vieira was in charge of, I'm going to check this, in charge of New York FC. Yes. Uh, Vieira, New York FC, 16 to 18. Jesse Marsh, New York Red Bulls, 15 to 18. So, yeah, that would be where that stems from. I don't know if there was any sort of altercation between them or anything of that nature. Um, but yeah, they were they were managing in the city at the same time, and those clubs have... It's a bit of a manufactured rivalry in the same way they're both kind of manufactured clubs. Um, Aren't all MOS clubs manufactured? They are, but I mean... <laughs> but no, I get what you mean, yeah. City club is... City group is and Red Bull club, yeah. And Red Bull, yeah. I mean, the, the one thing I'd say is, like, the Red Bulls, they were the Metro stars. They've been around for near 30 years. Red Bull bought them and rebranded them, which I don't really like, but it is what it is. But they were the Metro stars for 12 or 13 years. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, the City Football Group, they they were given the license to create a team and, and create a team they did, and it is what it is. Um there's also been New York City FC like to say, well, you know, we play in New York and you don't because the Red Bull Arena is out in New Jersey. Right. Okay. Um, so that there is that kind of thing as well. But uh, there's no question that the, the Red Bulls have have been the more successful team, even if in 2021, the New York City FC did have um, a great season and win the MLS Cup. The uh, the Red Bulls have won three supporter shields, and while the MLS Cup is obviously the biggest one, to win three supporter shields, which is basically if you finish top of the overall standings for the season, like they do it in conferences. But there's one combined league table as well. And if you finish top of that combined league table, you win what's called the supporter shield. And then the conferences come back in for the playoffs and the East champion faces the West champion and plays that way. But um yeah, when Marsh was at um when Marsh was at New York, he had a, a lot of success there. And he won two supporter shields in charge. Vieira didn't have great success at the club. But yeah, I assume that's where it comes from. I, I again, I don't know if there's any sort of um, altercation between the two of them or anything like that. Palace come into this game with some some injury issues at the back. Ferguson's still out. Klein is out now. MacArthur's still out. Butland is still out, and Chris Richards is out, which is a bit of a blow. But Yoki Manderson is back, and that's huge for them. Um. Leeds always have some injury issues, but they're not as bad this week. Sinistera is suspended. And that's a blow because he was starting to look really good. Forshaw is out. Archie Gray is out, but he's 12, so really shouldn't be getting considered for senior football. And Stuart Dallas is out for the long term, obviously, with that horrific injury that he suffered last year. What age is Archie Gray? Is he 17? He's called Archie for a start. He's still 16. He's still only 16. (laughs) He's not 17. Until March. Why is he like, listed? <laughs> he shouldn't even be mentioned as a senior footballer. Um, this game is at Selhurst. 
I'm going to go for a Palace win. I I think Michael Elise might be my favourite player to watch in the league right now. Mm. And I'm I'm going to back him to have a great game. And uh, I'm going to back Palace to win 3-1. Yeah, I think that one could be fun as well. Uh, next up, we have West Ham against Fulham. Um, last week, we mentioned Mar- Marco Silva being probably manager of the season so far. Uh, and then all his team got injured, so we definitely jinxed him there. Yes, we <laughs> yes, did. Yes, we did. Um, but West Ham, uh, promising performance last week, did basically what we asked them to do in terms of using the new lads. I mean, Corner got injured, unfortunately. Um, mm. But they rolled with Skamaka. Um I think he scored on Thursday uh, last night as well, didn't he? Um, so it is inter- it's good to see West Ham rolling with the newer lads. But for them, it'll, I think Mitrovic is out because I saw some quotes from Silva's uh, press conference whilst this pod was going on. But it's not even just Mitrovic. There's so many more injuries there that are either 50 50 or just ruled out completely. Right. Let me take a deep breath before I go through all these because there's a lot. <laughs> So Harry Wilson's out probably another month or so before he's back. Nathaniel Chalaba is suspended. Anthony Robinson is a major doubt. Paulini is back from suspension, so that's a big plus. Willian is a doubt. Kenny Tete is a doubt. Mitrovic is a major doubt. Uh, Kurzawa is out. So I'm not sure who's playing left back if Anthony Robinson's not fit. And Manor Solomon is out. This is... This is quite an issue for Fulham at this point in the season. West Ham, Agard's out, but he's back in a couple of weeks, and that's going to be a huge boost for them. And Max Cornet is out, like you mentioned. I think it's a little bit of a calf issue. Um, but Skamaka is in great form. Paqueta is starting to settle in. Jared Bowen started to look a bit more yeah. like his, his usual mm-hmm. self. Uh, ben Rama has found a little bit of form. Flynn Downs is looking really settled in in midfield, was really impressive against Anderlecht last night. I think he might get the shout to play next to Rice uh, and give Suchek a rest. And I'd like to see that midfield. I think there's a lot of progressive football in those two, especially with Paquette ahead of them as a 10. So I'm going to go for the West Ham win here. They're at home. They are the better team, regardless what the league table tells us. West Ham are a better team than Fulham. Fulham are missing loads of players. And I was really impressed with what I saw from West Ham against Wolves. I know Wolves didn't help themselves, but I'll go with the West Ham win. I'll go without Mitrovic. I'll say it's 2-0 if Mitrovic plays 2-1 because you know he's going to score. Yeah, I can see that as well. Um, too, just too many injuries and too many changes for Fulham. For any fluidity. Um, moving on then to the biggest game of the weekend, Arsenal Liverpool. Arsenal just keep rolling on, really. Um, really well in the North London Derby last weekend. Uh beat Bordeaux Glimp last night, um, with a somewhat changed team. Well, they do come into the game with a few key injuries because I see Zinchenko is a doubt, and I'm sure there's some other one. Oh, there's only one more, and Smith Rowe, who is basically back up to everyone. Yeah, and El Nenny's out as well. Yeah, um, which is a blow. Now, look, they, if Zinchenko's out, they can always play Kieran Tierney, who's a better defender. Yeah. So, not the end of the world. But Arsenal are in really good form. Obviously, they've look. They had they've had a really easy start to the league. The first good, the first really good team they've played was Spurs, and they won. Now, 
I do think that game might have swung in the last half an hour. I think Spurs could have gotten a draw because of the way Spurs are set up and the way they play and the mindset they have. I think the red card robbed us of what would have been a good last half hour. But you have to give credit to Arsenal because they, as soon as Spurs went down to 10, they punished them and got that third goal. Um, and they, like you said, a good win in midweek and were able to rest a bunch of players and, and keep them fresh. Liverpool have been awful this season. Absolutely dreadful. Now, they were a bit better against Rangers, but Rangers are a, a championship-level team. So you'd be very annoyed if they weren't better. Klopp has a big decision to make in terms of what shape he plays. Uh, does he go back to the 4-3-3? If he does, he needs to tell Henderson and Trent, you're not allowed to go forward, especially Henderson. Trent, you can go to like 40 yards from their goal and then don't go any further unless it's a set piece. Henderson, you stay on the halfway mm-hmm. line. Unless Martinelli's with you, you do not go beyond it. Yeah, <laughs> you, you've got to have real discipline in this game or Arsenal will carve you apart. Um, Injury-wise, Liverpool, no Oxlade-Chamberlain, no Keita, no Artur. Uh, he's got a small muscle issue, so he's going to be out for a little while. Curtis Jones is back in training. He's not going to play this weekend, though. And Adley Robertson is getting close to a return, but my guess is he's back for Rangers and not for this one. Uh, Klopp actually says that Curtis is the closest to returning, then mm-hmm. Robbo. Um, Liverpool are hopeful that by the end of this month, all five of these will be back. So for the first time all season, Klopp would have a full squad to pick from, which would be really nice. Um Touching all the wood whilst making that step. Touching all the wood. <laughs> um, I talked myself into a 3-1 Liverpool win on Scouted yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to stick with it. I'm just going to stick with it. I think Liverpool, regardless of, again, regardless of the league table, the league table doesn't really tell you a whole lot at this point of the season. Liverpool are a better team than Arsenal. They just are a better team than Arsenal. They've got a significantly better manager. Alisson is better than Ramsdale. Trent is better than Ben White. Matip is better than any Arsenal centre-back. Virgil is better than any Arsenal player. Costas is a better left-back than Zinchenko. Now, Tierney is a better left-back than Costas. Um, In midfield, Fabinho is better than Thomas Partey. Odegaard is better than Henderson. That's undeniable. Thiago is much better than Granit Xhaka. Diaz is better than Martinelli. Salah is better than Saka. As much as I love Saka, Salah is clearly the better player. And Gabriel Jesus, you'd probably say right now, is better than Darwin. Yeah. I'm not 100% certain he's all that much better than Jota, who might be the one that starts this game. And obviously there's the Firmino option as well. Now, he is better than Firmino, but Firmino and Jota both love playing against Arsenal. Mm. And Liverpool always do well against Arsenal. So I'm going to go with Jesus likes playing against us as well. (laughs) He does. He does, to be fair. But it's one thing playing against us when you're on the end of Kevin De Bruyne and Leroy Sané and Raheem Sterling and Bernardo Silva and Joe Cancelo. Very different when you don't have those players. Now, he's got good players around him at Arsenal and a couple that might be great in a few years. But he's been asked to do an awful lot more. Mm. and I think Liverpool will be able to cope with them. So I'm going to go 3-1 to Liverpool. Did you see Klopp's... I I don't know if he was hinting at it, but he almost hinted that he kind of wanted Jesus because he said City wouldn't sell 
to certain people. I don't know if he was hinting at us being interested, but he does look a clock player, Gabby Jesus, to me. Yeah, I mean, he's got hints of Firmino about his game in terms of his work rate and his off-ball stuff. On the ball, he's got hints of Suarez. Now, not to the same level, but, you know, me and Carl talked about it yesterday and scouted. His dribbling style is very, very Suarez. His movement is quite Suarez-esque. He's always crying, which is all very Suarez-esque. So you could definitely see Gabriel Jesus in a Klopp team. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we had looked at him. It definitely wouldn't. I would imagine when his agent started calling around, offering him to clubs, he probably called us. And maybe we did make a phone call and we're just told no. But they were open to selling him to Chelsea. Yeah. Maybe, you know? Well, maybe they just view them as not rivals. I mean, I guess that would be the only justification for it. Possibly, but... I would have said if you're looking at City and naming their three biggest rivals in the Premier League, it, it would be United, then us, then Chelsea. Do you know? They probably, mm. Now, maybe it was that they felt that they owed Arsenal because they've bullied Arsenal for so many years now. And for, just, for a decade. You know, <laughs> routinely just took their players off them. Um, and but, Arteta's is made as well. Yeah, and, 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 you know, sent them Arteta. So, yeah. you know, sorry about that. But uh, ah, Jesus is look, he's he's a, he's a good player. I mean, he's, his his start to the season has been a bit overblown, um, but he, he's playing well, and you know we'll see how long it continues. But you could see him fitting in a, a Liverpool team. I, I'm happier with Darwin because I think the long term of what Darwin will be is what Liverpool need more so than what Jesus is. See Arsenal, we let you off Jesus. Just when Martinelli's contracts up, let Klopp have his dream. He obviously dreams of Gabby Martinelli because every time we play Arsenal, he bigs him up for half an hour in his press conference. But anyway, we'll move on. Um, my prediction for this was very much dependent on how Liverpool set up because if we try and play Henderson as a winger and Trent as a striker, which we've been mm. doing, Arsenal will destroy us. Oh, then mop the floor with us if we yeah. do that nonsense. If, if yeah, Henderson yeah. starts playing in the front four and taking up the bizarre positions that he took up against Brighton, like being... Being to Thiago's left, like Thiago's <laughs> the left-sided midfielder, and you're the if Henderson does that, we're in big trouble. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, Klopp's dream definitely is to get Martinelli and Saka because he he adores Saka as well. He he doesn't even have words. He said he just says wow, Saka, wow, what a player. <laughs> yeah, uh, dear. we'd love both of them. We we found our 2025 transfer disappointment. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Moving on then, we have a 7 o'clock kickoff. I'm guessing it's because United um, were involved in the Europa League on Thursday and BT wanted this game. Um, Everton against Man United. Um, Man United just, beat... Just before you go, yeah. explain to me why this couldn't have been an earlier kickoff, a 2pm kickoff, and Crystal Palace leads or Fulham West Ham. Oh, no, no, why it's Crystal a, Palace leads yeah, on the twelve? Couldn't have been the early kickoff yeah. on a Saturday. That's Palace, a very good point. Why don't we have an early game tomorrow? We've got four three p.m. It's just stupid how we're at five thirty. They must just be so. Un, I'm guessing the TV companies are just so unflexible that you can't move your 
game to a different game slot, a TV televised slot, I should say. That'd be the it's only just, justification. But it if, is. It's just silly, like. Maybe Sky just are so desperate for a Super Sunday they have to have two games on or something. Yeah, really... that's possible. Well, look, it doesn't bother me because I'll watch St. Johnston versus Celtic at 12.30 tomorrow and I would advise you all to watch St. Johnston versus Celtic and, and bask in the glory of Ange Postacoglu. I bask in his greatness. I did watch the Leipzig game and you are fun to watch. They are fun to watch, of course yeah. they are. And Kyogo Jota made me giggle with that assist. <laughs> so it sounds like Diogo. But anyway, moving on to the last Saturday, uh, last Sunday game, I should say. Um, Everton Man United. Man United got the win against um, Cleaning Fluid in midweek. Um, just about. But we mentioned, oh, you hinted at as well, but I mentioned before we start recording. Uh, Sancho does not look bothered at Man United. Ronaldo's mm. not a factor. Um, do they just roll with Rashford left? Martial, Middle, and Anthony on the right. So that seems like maybe not something to build with long term, but in terms of this season's goals, I think they run, have with, to. run with her. Yeah. Yeah, I think they have to. And look, Martial is a really good player. It's just a matter of keeping him motivated and keeping him locked in. Rashford's a really good player. And they, they can offer far more than they have in, in the last while. Um, United just can't play Cristiano because they're awful when he plays. They're so much better without him. Now, I know I know they got battered by City, but everybody gets battered by City. The thing in this game that I'm curious about, Lampard said in his presser today that yes. Calvert-Lewin was in contention to start. Mm-hmm. And if he starts up against Martinez, I think Everton will have some real joy. Now, Everton have loads of injury issues. Godfrey's out, Townsend's out, Patterson's out. Mina is a major doubt. But again, if he's fit, him on set pieces against United will be like Haaland on set pieces against United. Mason Holgate, they're hoping to have him back. Now, it will probably be next weekend before either of those two are back. But there is a chance one of them makes the bench. But Calvert-Lewin, it looks like he's back. And it looks like he might start. And if he does, it's a huge boost for Everton. Now, Maguire's out. Van de Beek is out. <laughs> Williams is out. Aaron Wan-Bissaka is out. Mason Green was obviously uh, suspended. And Raphael Varane is a doubt, but they're hoping he'll be back. United are a better team than Everton, but Everton have made themselves horrible to play against. This is not going to be an attractive game of football. This is going to be two oh, teams God, that no. want to park the bus and counterattack. You have and the ball. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally. Have the ball. <laughs> you, you have the ball. No, we don't want it. You have it. Um, it's at Goodison. I'm going to go the Everton win. Right. I'm, I'm going I, I, I'm to go the Everton win. From I'm a set piece, say, I imagine. <laughs> a, a set piece or a big, a big cross into the box. I'm going to say 2-1 Everton with Calvert-Lewin scoring. And United fans making excuses for Martinez again. Some of the excuses I heard them make after last weekend were just hilarious. Um, did you know, Guy, that in his seven Premier League appearances thus far, uh, Lissandro Martinez has only won an aerial duel in one of them? Christ. Against Southampton, against Che Adams, who's also 5'9". Like, he's, he's not contesting... He goes through multiple games 
with zero aerial duels. How does that happen as a Premier League centre-back? <laughs> he's not contesting. He's stepping away from aerial duels. And United fans are trying to big him up, saying, oh, well, his aerial win percentage is, is this. But it's 50-odd percent. It's garbage. Yeah. And it's because and it would be much, much lower. If he actually if he tried. Actually, yeah, if he was actually contesting. Absolutely shambles. Um, I'm going to go 2 1 the Ev. 2 1 the Ev, uh, a big win for Frank. And that win would actually put them above United, to be fair. Three goals in that game is just not happening, Dave, I'm afraid. Um, one at best. Um, moving on to Monday, uh, Nottingham Forest against Villa. Um, Steve mm. Cooper, we all thought, was getting the sack, especially with John Percy naming Rafa Benitez as the yeah. incoming manager. Uh, you mentioned uh, in the news segment, no, new contract doesn't rule. I don't think it rules out him. Up getting... yours, John Percy. Up <laughs> yours, you fraud. <laughs> <laughs> One of the only journalists who's actually a journalist anymore, but you're up yours. Oh, John, um, anyone, my John Percy's br- like he is brilliant. Yeah. He's an absolutely brilliant journalist. But look, he was, I, I would imagine he was right. I, I do think yeah. he was right that they were considering it and they've made the decision that look. We were dead and buried in the championship. This man got us into the Premier League. Yes, we've spent a bunch of money, but we've bought a new squad. He needs time and he deserves time. Mm -hmm. And he's proven at Forest last year, at Swansea and with England, that he can mould a group of players that don't know each other into a team. The one thing he needs to stop doing is playing Steve Cook. That is the biggest thing he needs to stop doing. Get Steve Cook out of the team. He is awful. Awful. He's a complete liability. Now, Nia Cathay is still a couple of weeks away. Omar Richards is still a couple of weeks away. But everyone else is fit for Forrest. Villa, on the other hand, have major injury issues. Bubakar Kamara, out. Ludwig Augustinsson, out. Luca Dina, out. So that's both their left-backs out, which probably means Ashley Young starts left-back. Matty Cash is back, so he'll start right back. Uh, Callum Chambers is a doubt. Leon Bailey is a doubt. And obviously, Diego Carlos is out for the foreseeable. Um, Villa have issues, and Villa are not playing good football. Oh, it's tragic. It's awful to watch. Now, I know Mm. that they've had some decent results recently. Uh, They did beat Southampton. They got the draw with City, but like that fools nobody. City should have been five up before Villa came into the game. Uh, they got a draw against uh, Leeds, who had 10 men for the entire second half. I game going was a to, horror show. Sorry. It was awful. It was awful. It was like an insult to my eyes. And I didn't even watch the match. I, that was like the only game I watched that weekend over the Liverpool, because yeah. I was watching the worst F1 race in history instead of the Manchester derby, because I was still upset from Liverpool being a horror show. Um, but you yeah, decided to punish I decided I needed punishment. For watching the F1. So yeah, we have fun. we have F1 this weekend, don't we? Yeah, uh, Japan, but it's on at like 6 a.m. So that'll be a big no for me. Oh, lovely. Yes. Lovely stuff. Well, now my limited knowledge of F1 tells me that Verstappen is very mm-hmm. close to wrapping up the title. Basically, he um, could have he could have won last week, but well, it was it was chaos because it was you can't do F1 in, in rain anymore, basically. So if he wins this weekend and Leclerc and Perez don't finish like in the top three or four. Yes. He wins that he'll have the title wrapped up. Basically, that's my yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well that's that's good to know. And uh he's got double the points of Lewis Hamilton this season. Um which is fine. And everybody wants to blame the car. 
but yet nobody was willing to credit the car when Lewis was winning all his world titles. So what I want to see, this is what this is how you fix F1. Okay. Give them all the same car. Give them all the same car. Let them brand it however they want. Give them all the same car. And then we'll see who the best driver is. Or we get the worst drivers because you won't know that you don't follow it as closely as I do. There's a driver called Latifi. He got yes. lost. He got lost today on the track. <laughs> we put him in a Red Bull, and yeah. we put Max. We put Max Verstappen in a Williams. Then you even that seems up. fair. That but seems fair. The lad got he got lost. He turned. That's brilliant. I, I do. I am. I am aware of him. The I goat. think. Go to drive to survive. Yes. Yes. He's, he's a part of that, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 Um, so I've watched a bit of that, not a whole lot, but yeah, I am roughly aware of him. Um, there was a few people that stood out to me in that drive to survive that really, I think one of them has gone, Was there's a couple of them that are like the sons of owners and stuff. Is, is it is uh, Lance, Lance Stroll? Yeah, he's still there. He's one. Aston Martin, yeah. And what was the other guy's name? The, the fella whose dad is Russian. Oh, uh... Mazapin, Mazaspin. Yes, Mazaspin. Because <laughs> I remember in the group chat that we're in, uh, you boys all watched the F1 or, or Lotties do. And every day I'd, I'd look at the group chat, you would be watching the race and you'd be talking about him spinning out or doing something stupid. I'd be like, who is this idiot? Like, And uh, yeah, obviously not there anymore. Anyway, we've, 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 we've yeah. moved uh, away from football. Uh, disappointing to see Sebastian Vettel, who I believe is retiring this he year. He is, yes. He couldn't be bothered having, with the Aston Martin lads anymore. <laughs> yeah, having another really bad season. He's he had like that incredible what four? Did he win four, four in a row? Yeah, and then garbage ever since. Yeah, but he moved to Ferrari, and Ferrari had a lot of nice things. Um, but f- we'll get back to the football. Um, oh yeah, yeah. We're, <laughs> we're doing um, Forest against Villa. Yes. Um, um, I mentioned with to do with that Forest. You've obviously mentioned they don't play Steve Cook, etc. But I think he needs to go deeper than that. Jesse Lingard is a no. Yes, he, he, he just doesn't look bothered. Um, no, doesn't look doesn't look like he cares. He's there for the money. Yeah. Um, I would be if he's going to like last weekend he played or against Leicester he played four two three one. Yeah. If he wants to do that again, he needs to play Worrell and McKenna as the centre-backs, and he needs to play Emmanuel Dennis off the left with Brennan Johnson, Gibbs White, and Dennis behind Awaniye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He needs to play a midfield two that has Mangala plus one. It can be... I would play Froiler because he's the best player. Yeah. But it could be Lewis O'Brien. It could be Ryan Yates. Uh, but Mangala has to be there. And... I'd be inclined to pick Serge Aurier over Nico Williams just at the min at the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've got the players to play four two three one for sure. If he goes back three, there's still no place for Steve Cook, no place at all. You play Willie Bolly or you move Coyate back into centre back. Play Warrell in the middle and McKenna. Then you play Nico as a wing back. That's fine. Uh, Bad is back, isn't he? Could play. Oh, yeah, look, bad is fit again. So you could play him. If you're playing a three, play him. Yeah. Although you might want to ease him back. You might might want to ease him in for his first game. Um, Because, like, even with Villa's injury problems, Ollie Watkins is still a handful. Um, yeah, but if you let him shoot, he doesn't score unless it's against Liverpool. True, true. That's the key. Let him shoot. Don't try and stop him. Yeah. If you try and stop him, it'll take a deflection and go He's in. He's only contractually allowed to score against Liverpool. 
I am going to go for the home win here. I'm going to go for Forrest to win this game 2-1. And that is the last game. Well, do you think if he actually lost this game, would would it surprise you if he actually still got sacked? Because their owner is mental. Their (laughs) owner is mental. Now, I do think he might have his uh, focus drawn a little bit to Olympiacos, who uh, are having an awful run in Europe this season. And let's be fair, he he gladly throws out managers over there as well. Now, he he hired Carlos Corboran to replace um, Pedro Martins. Carlos Corboran obviously was the manager of Huddersfield last season, mm-hmm. walked out on Huddersfield to take over as manager of Olympiacos. Went well. And then got sacked after 11 games. Uh, so well done to him. Uh, Michel is the current manager. He's not a particularly good manager and uh, wouldn't be at all surprising if he gets sacked at some point. The core branding, you have to feel sorry for the lad. Um, he should you, walk you, into a championship job, surely. Yeah, after what he did at, at Huddersfield, I think overall, especially the first season was iffy, but the second season was very, very impressive. I think they finished third. And then obviously lost in the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, he goes to Olympiacos and it's just a mess. And they're they're a bit of a mess this season. Uh, let's have a look. Where are they? They're currently third in the league now, to be fair. But they've only played six games. Um, but they went out of the Champions League in the second qualifying round to Maccabi Haifia. They have had a really bad start in the Europa League. And in fact, they're very lucky to even be in the Europa League. They drew with Slovan Bratislava and beat them on penalties. They drew with Apolline Limassol and beat them on penalties. And they should be wiping the floor with both of those teams. And they've lost to Nantes, who are having an awful season. Freiburg, who are having a great season, but it was at home. Mm. And Quarabeg at home. And it's not like there isn't talent in that... Um, in that Olympiacos team. Like, there is plenty of talent and there was money spent in the summer. A bunch of loans were brought in as well. Um, James Rodriguez was was signed. Um, Sam Isku, the Malian defensive midfielder from Hoffenheim, was brought in. Akumbu was brought in. Uh, one for older Premier League fans, Hachim Kazimi, Kazami, uh, formerly of Fulham, scored one of the great Premier League. Oh, what a goal. Yeah, he, he's there now he as well. He was Liverpool, wasn't he? Uh, I think he was. Hmm? I think he came through at Liverpool. If I he did. He, well, he, he was at loan on Liverpool right, in okay. the academy um, and for some reason didn't stick about and went on to Lazio but never made the grade at Lazio. Um, yeah, that goal against Forrest will, will live on, but... He is now 30 still, somehow, only 30. What? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's been around a lot. Good of time. Lord. Um, so his focus might be on Olympiacos and what a mess they are at the minute. So maybe Cooper uh will get a bit we'll of we'll get the Olympiacos job. <laughs> probably. Probably. Why why not? Yeah. Um that's the thing he could he could just say to him, look, I've got a contract with you. Go and work with Olympiacos. I'm gonna move you out of forest. 
and Cooper would probably be like, okay, fair enough. Then you and Rafa, um, you and Rafa can swap jobs. Then you and Rafa can swap. <laughs> he should probably have hired Rafa for the Olympiacos. That's true, true. Right, Anyhow, that'll do us yeah. for this week. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. Take care of yourselves. Have a good weekend. Bye bye. Podcast Network.